What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Hive Jive. And as we have been teasing for the last several weeks, we are joined today by a very special guest, one that you have heard on the show a couple of times before. And we are very, very pleased to have her back with us virtually in the studio. So say good morning to Miss Tara Chapman with Two Hives Honey. Hi, guys. It's so good to be back with you, even virtually. It's been a long time. A really long it has. time. It has indeed. <laughs> Damn COVID. Uh, yeah. I know. Yeah. So I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me again. Not a problem. And you have had a lot of stuff going on in your world here as of late. And the last time we talked to you, uh, you initially at that point, you had plans of moving from your tiny retail space to a bigger space that was being built out. And I, I know that there has been a lot of changes and, and uh, <laughs> drastic alterations since that point. But if you want to take a moment before we get into the, the main topic and kind of give everybody uh, an overview of where you are today, um, we'd be more than happy to catch everyone up on that. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember... Last time I was with you in the actual studio in real life, you guys were giving me the pep talk of like, do it, just get the new space, do it, do it. So we looked, we found this beautiful space. We looked for almost a year and I was in the last throes of lease signing and that was February last year. Of course, that was near weeks before the shutdown. And thankfully I had the foresight to think, oh gosh, I don't think we can do this. So I pulled out of that lease. Um, and, uh, then we were just stuck and we didn't know what we were going to do. And then it came to me at 4am when all good ideas come apparently in my world. <laughs> and I thought, what am I doing? You should get some land. What are you doing? And so we ended up buying five and a quarter acres, just a few miles east of the Austin city limits, uh, line. And We've got this beautiful house in the front that we live in, and we have a horse barn in the back that we've renovated to be our new shop and our new classroom, and it's so beautiful. We just put in our, like, wraparound porch, and it's the best decision. I can't believe it wasn't our plan A, uh, but it was our plan B, and it's so fantastic. So if you're in the Austin, Central Texas area, please come and see us. We are doing all sorts of fun events, and we've got all the space for all of the social distancing. So it's been great. That's perfect. And it gives you ample space to continue to expand and grow and kind of experiment with whatever you want instead of being confined within, you know, four walls of a traditional retail space. So that's that's awesome, actually. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're we've always been experiences are our forte. And we were doing those before. We just were doing them at a different place than where our retail was located. And now people can come out and have the nuts to bolt full experience. You know, you show up, you do your tour here, sit on the porch for a while, and then you can walk around. We have a beautiful pond. We've got gardens. And then you can, you know, exit through the gift shop, which is always great for someone <laughs> trying to sell stuff. 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> and it just might happen that due to COVID restrictions, that's the only exit you must go through the gift shop to leave the premises. <laughs> that's right. Three at a time. <laughs> And feel free to grab something on your way out. There's a register right by the door. We'll be happy to take care of you. Touchless, touchless checkout. Take cash and credit cards. <laughs> oh, we do take cash, but God, I hate cash. I love, I love that COVID, not everyone's terrified of money because I hate cash so much. Obviously, as a business owner, it takes, it costs us more money when you pay with a credit card, but I will gladly yep. fork over that 3%. Gladly. <laughs> yeah. I've never been a big fan of having to deal with the cash from the change perspective. So anytime we were do a live event somewhere and we were selling things, the I was like, all right, we're going to have even amounts. There's not going to be any of this 99 or 98 cents bull crap because I'm not carrying change. <laughs> oh, totally. I will round in your favor all day long. Absolutely. Yep. Indeed. Well, awesome. Well, congratulations on the new space. That yep. is that is wonderful. And I think also one other thing that our, our listeners would be very keen on knowing, um, I did, and I, I know that you're really big on putting yourself on the spot, because if you have an idea and then you shout it out as loud as you can and everybody knows, then they're going to hold you accountable, which forces you to go forward with it. So um, you have been working on a book. Oh, yes. That is my forte. I love and it gets me in trouble because I love I talk such a big game and I'm I get more done before 9am than probably most people do all day. So I can back it up to an extent. But um, I do fill my cup a little full. But yeah, so we <laughs> okay, so we have this apprenticeship here in Austin, which is we run it twice a year. It's a six Saturday 60 hour program intensive beekeeping course. And it's my favorite thing that we do. And I've always used the Idiot's Guide to Beekeeping as our textbook. I hate the name, but the book really is my favorite beekeeping book. Um, it's got a much more natural slant, though you wouldn't know it because it's not couched as a natural beekeeping book. I just think it's the most simple, easy to understand. And that book is now out of print. And we've been buying them <laughs> off of secondhand bookstore, bookkeeping, I mean, sorry, um, you know, bookstores and sites and whatnot. And finally, my assistant was like, Tara, you're already writing the content every month anyway. Why don't you just do a little bit more and make it into a book? So this session's apprenticeship is getting the draft chapters of the book. So I'm writing a book. And yes, John's right. I put it out there because I thought if I yell it really loudly, then I have to do it. It's been really great because I meet the apprentices every month. And it forces me to sit down and write the chapters of the content we would be covering. So I'm just working on the words now. And then I'm hoping for the next group in the fall, we can work on, you know, graphics and pretty pictures and whatnot. Um, but it's really improved uh, my teaching, I think, because, you know, I can get up and talk all day long about anything related to bees and, and can do it pretty darn well. But when you're forced to really think about it on a more eloquent, formal level, and you start asking yourself questions, you know, like, is this going to make sense in a vacuum? I, I just think it's made me, um, I think it's made me better teacher. So I think that all my students will benefit as a result. So um, hopefully I'll have that out next year. We'll see. I'm not ready to make that proclamation quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, is the tone of the book going to be 
kind of heavily influenced by the region that we're in, like that that southern states, central Texas kind of perspective on things? That's a good question. I've, I, because most of the books are actually written by northern beekeepers. If you really take a look at the at what's out there, a lot of it is by northern beekeepers, which is a different you know perspective than what we have. I try really hard. I'm trying really hard to make it applicable to everyone and write from that perspective, which is really challenging, but no doubt because I'm a Texas beekeeper, right? Uh, I mean, so for example, I did this talk with um, a group of London beekeepers recently, a club asked me to talk and they just wanted to know about beekeeping in Texas. And I was telling a story about installing a package of bees and they, everyone said, what's a package of bees? And it never occurred to me (laughs) that if you don't live in the South, you might not have ever had experience with, they had no idea what a package of bees was. And I never thought of that before, but of course you can't get a package of bees in London. The bee season is too short. They were also shocked at how long our bee season is. You know, there's just like six months. Can you imagine how much better our lives would be if our bee season was only six months? (laughs) So anyway, I'm trying to make it from a more universal standpoint, but no doubt because my experiences are from Texas, you know, I'm going to talk a lot about, small high beetle and heat and mild winters and whatnot. Yeah, I think there's, that's actually, you know, a credit because there are a ton of beekeepers in the South, but as you said, most of the books are geared from a Northern perspective and they talk about, you know, you need X amount of hundred pounds of honey and you better have a foot width of insulation around the hive. And you're like all these things that down here were like, what? (laughs) So it does, it does actually help to have that perspective from the other regions as well. So I like that. I like that idea. Well, kudos on, uh, on all those changes and, you know, definitely look forward to hearing more about the book as time goes on. Um, Today, though, you are actually here to talk to us about a subject that, I mean, we've mentioned it obviously in passing. It's a very common thing for beekeeping, and we've not really ever delved into what it is and what you can do with it. So uh, that mystery substance, of course, is propolis, and the bees, you know, most all colonies have it to some degree. Some of them have it in prolific amounts, and others kind of use it sparingly, but for some beekeepers, that is a, a royal pain in the butt. <laughs> Gooey yeah, black yeah. crap. <laughs> yeah. Black, red, brown. Apparently, even in some areas, you can get gray um, and really? whitish propolis. I've never seen that. Um, I tend to see it more in like a tan, you know, red colors. But yeah, propolis, I got really into propolis um, over COVID. So I'd always wanted to make some products and settle with propolis because it is quite good for you. I mean, anyone that's listen to me for more than five minutes knows that I speak from a place of scientific research. I don't ever, I like to almost to a fault, you know, make sure that what I'm saying out loud, I know is true. And someone has proved it in some study somewhere. And propolis is one of those things that has been studied and it's proven to be an antiseptic, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, antibacterial, you know, all of the antis. Um, And so it's really quite good for you. So I really, I told my team, I said, I want to make things with propolis. I really want to focus on that this year. So we started playing around with it and we made some throat sprays and some tinctures. And I just got really geeky and into it. And I shared within our monthly Ask a Beekeeper session, we do a free class every month. And I shared this a couple of months ago and it was our most popular class yet. So I think that there's 
a need and a want for people to learn more about propolis, and there's apparently not a whole lot um, of beekeepers out there kind of teaching and educating on, you know, how to get it, how to collect it, and then what to do with it. So I'm excited to talk about that today. Well, Ken, this kind of sounds like it's going to be right up your little, you know, hobby of tinkering with things. He's yeah, currently thinking, man. Yeah, he's currently doing some extracts of his own, not of the propolis variety, <laughs> but no. I'm making vanilla extract and, I'm, and cinnamon, and I'm mixing cinnamon and vanilla in one bottle I got over here. And, uh, and you're actually extracting from the botanical sources? Yeah, I'm, 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 what I'm doing is putting it in vodka and uh-huh. uh, letting it, letting <laughs> it, yeah, and then letting it uh, make vanilla. And then I also mix some. I've got two different kinds of cinnamon. I've got the Ceylon, I've got the uh, Vietnamese or the Saigon sticks. Uh, the Ceylon has a, it's probably more of a, what I want to see. The Saigon has a peppery taste to it, where the Ceylon is more of the taste that you're, you're, you under you understand uh mm-hmm. cinnamon and uh yeah i'm I'm just like to mix different things i've got like four different kinds of vanilla beans and uh yeah and uh, i keep saying i'm gonna be putting it in honey and let it in extract into honey and john says all it'll do is form oil on top and i said well then i'll stir the hell out of it and put the oil into the honey you know, we, I think some of the best creamed honeys are the ones that have cinnamon in them. And we do a really good creamed honey. But I'm, I'm curious as to, like, once you add the cinnamon, if you do it before it's creamed, doesn't it mess with the crystallization? So I, I have not tried that, but I've, I've wanted to do that as well. But I don't, I don't understand the mechanics of adding cinnamon. But that's so cool. So I think you'll probably then really enjoy getting to learn about propolis because um, there's all sorts of fun things. And I am by no stretch an expert in making, you know, tinctures and products out of propolis, but we have tinkered with it um, a fair bit. Um, So propolis, you know, bees gather resin from botanical sources, but it's not in its raw form is not the way that you see it in the hive. So they visit, um, you know, leaf buds, twigs, bark of trees, et cetera, and they carry the propolis back on their hind legs. So if you've ever seen, you know, bees coming back to your hive with some funky, funky things on their hind legs that's not pollen, it's probably propolis. If it looks kind of wet or like a, you know, teardrop of wet something, it's probably propolis. But then they mix it with beeswax and pollen and a little bit of saliva. Um, and that's what, that's how we actually get propolis. And beekeepers will also call this bee glue. And as John mentioned, beekeepers love to hate propolis because that's why we have to use a hive tool, right? You can't just break into a, a good, strong, established hive. Um, I mean, you know, raise your hand if you've forgotten and you've gone to pick up a box off of a hive and you lifted up the whole hive and then, you know, maybe half the hive falls on the ground and the bees get very upset. Uh, well, hell, I was, I was working on a top bar yesterday and I never have to use tools on a top bar and this sucker was so glued shut that I was literally like almost on top of it, trying to pry up the first bar. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. They, uh, they, <laughs> they were adamant that nobody was getting in. <laughs> so with the, um, you're right, because the top, they won't propolis the way that the frames are built, but then they'll propolis the frames together, but not the top, right? That's been my experience in top bars. Is that what you're talking about, John? 
Yeah, they so in this one, what they had done is they put a whole bunch of it right where this side of the hive meets the bar, right in that little <laughs> seam. Uh-huh. And when it finally came apart, it like it snapped on one side, like it had that cold crack. And then on the other side, when I pulled it up, it was, you know, it was traditional propolis looking tar. I mean, I pulled the bar up and it just left this string of like almost bubble gum, you know, when somebody sticks it to something. Uh And I was like, oh my God. And I think they did it on purpose. (laughs) Like, because usually in the top bars, there'll there'll be a little bit between the bars themselves. If the, if the bars are warped or there's a little bit of a gap, they'll put some in there. But these guys are girls, gals, you know, they went all the way along the length of the top bar on either side and right where the, the bar sets on the edge of the, the long part of the hive body, they just like caulking. I mean, they just plowed it in there as thick as they could get it. Man, you're right. You know, i never thought about, I, you know, it's no secret. I do all lengths, but I started on top bars and I've had a decent amount of experience on top bars, but I never thought about the fact that there's definitely a whole lot more propolizing in the design of a lane than in top bar. So all the tips that I'm going to share on like how to collect it probably aren't super applicable to a, to a top bar. I just realized that I'll, I'll try to brainstorm some ways to like, John, you can, you can chime in if you've got some thoughts, but you know, the propolis. So yeah, we got this bee glue and it, of course it's structural stability for the hive in wild hives, right? When they, you know, build in tree trunks, they'll, completely propolize the sides of the hive. I don't do this, but I've heard of a lot of beekeepers that will rough up the side of their hives. You know, you want propolis in your hive because of all those properties, antibacterial, antifungal, et cetera. You know, it's, I think of it as like a protective womb of some, you know, some sort for um, the hive. It protects against pathogens and disease. And if you think about the superorganism, propolis is the colony's immune system. You know, it also waterproofs the hive. So, it's really great. Um, it's really important for for the hive. Have John? Have you harvested propolis before? In any I, way? I do it in uh, in certain instances, and at the at the moment, I have a ball of it in the floorboard of my truck. And oh, yeah. if I don't get it out of there, it might become part of the floorboard of the truck. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a key thought. Maybe when we get done, I should go do that. Um, but yeah, there there are times where. On the top bars, you can get a little bit because, again, they'll put it between the bars. So if you're scraping the edges of the bar to get it back off so the bars will fit snugly again, you can kind of accumulate some there. And then uh, a lot of times I'll get it from the entrances because I make my entrance on my top bar about two inches in diameter, a circle, and then I use my entrance disc to narrow it down. Well, in the winter, they'll completely seal that off. And then I'll come in there in the spring, and if there's still some there, I'll pull it out and add it to my collection. Absolutely, yeah. You know, your point about, (laughs) I've probably sent myself, because this is the first, the last 12 months, I've been really focused on collection of propolis because we've added it to our product line. And so I collect most of my propolis just out and about, as you, John, as you mentioned. I think the best way to get propolis is when you come out of winter, even if you use a reducer, you know, on a on the disc on the top bar or the the standard reducer on the lang, they still propolize. I find in a lang strip hive, most of my hives this year because we had a you know a little bit of a cold winter, um, they make it made a whole wall behind the reducer 
um, as if the reducer wasn't even there. And so this time of year is a great time to go around and like scrape that out. So that's how I collect most of it. You know, you can use traps that I'll talk about, but then I just stick it in my pocket. And then, I mean, I was in California <laughs> a couple of weeks ago <laughs> yeah. and I sent myself an email at four in the morning that said propolis in pocket because I knew I had a big glom of propolis in the pants of my overalls. And I do not want to throw that in the dryer. God, can you imagine? So I pulled this giant hmm. glob of propolis out of my pocket, and it was just covered in blue, blue jean lint. <laughs> but hmm. you can filter all that out, so it's fine. Um, yeah, so, but, you know, as far as collecting it, I think at the entrance um, after the winter months is the best way. And, you know, when you break open your boxes in a lang, you know, you'll see the propolis, and you, will, you can scrape all that around. I don't like to do that because it is important that we leave some propolis in the hive and they will repropolize it again. And bees can't collect propolis year round. You know, it has to be a certain temperature because you can't work propolis when it's cold. So it has to be available. It has to be a warmer day. And honestly, if they've already done the work, I'd rather my bees focus on something, you know, uh, more financially beneficial to me, i.e. honey, <laughs> nectar and honey. Um, but at the entrance is a great way, but you can also buy this trap. It's plastic. And it, so imagine a queen excluder, if y'all are familiar with, you know, queen excluders. It looks exactly the same. It's just the holes are a little bit smaller. Full disclosure, I have not actually used the trap because I have, I find plenty in our hives through entrances and little bits and, you know, I oftentimes a leaf or a rock or something will end up in the hive and they propolize it and I'll take that. You can filter all that extra crud out. But the idea is that you would lay this propolis trap on top of the hive and because the holes are so small, bees don't like cracks, right? They will fill it up with propolis and then you take this plastic trap, you put it in the freezer and you freeze it. And then when you take it out of the hive, you, you kind of... Um, you, like with an ice tray, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, you like, what's that motion? You guys help me. It's kind of like, like a twist. Like when you're popping the ice cubes out <laughs> yeah. of there, it's like a, you're like twist. contorting it in opposite directions. <laughs> twist is the word I was looking for. <laughs> you, you twist them and then the propolis frozen just falls out like glass. Um, so, you know, you know, John, you mentioned you've got a big glom of it in your floorboard of your truck. I have a protein powder can in my truck that I have all the time. And so when I collect, you'd be shocked at how much you can collect just by being mindful of whenever you see little bits of excess here and there, you can collect a fair bit off of it. And I just keep it in the vessel. And then when I'm ready to, um, you know, use it, you can purchase it online. I've seen, you know, if you go online, you'll find beekeepers proclaiming that their propolis is the best propolis. I don't really know. I don't know if it's like, you know, with different different types of honeys, they're found that there's more beneficial properties. I don't know if that holds true with propolis, but certainly folks are proclaiming that their area's propolis is the best propolis. So you could buy it as well if you weren't a beekeeper and you were looking to make some make some products. Now, so, if oh, no, go ahead, Ken. Uh, bees using I know they use a lot of the tree wax, or the sap comes out of trees to make propolis. Uh, would that be here in central Texas and in the evergreens, you know, states that's got evergreens such as pines and cedars, would they yeah. use that sap? 
and yeah, propolis? absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I try to do a bunch of research on like what types of trees are we most likely to find. It, I didn't find a lot of information out there, but what I have learned, we know conifer trees are really famous for it. Um, and then various species of cedar and fir, juniper, pine, uh, let's see what else, redwoods and, and spruce trees. But then some other types of trees produce it as well, like chestnuts and willows. So there's a wide variance of different types of trees that will produce the resins that they then bring back to the hive and they take those resins, mix it with beeswax, pollen, and saliva. And then that's how we get the sticky propolis bee glue. By the way, if you, you know, your gloves, oh, yeah. when they get stained, you know, that's what that is. Is that, That's the propolis. That's why, you know, I don't work with gloves a whole lot. Um, and I, my hands get stained orange very quickly because of the like little Oompa Loompa hands because of the <laughs> propolis. So, and, you know, a lot of people eat honey for the, the, to use against the allergies of the cedars and such as that. So propolis might be better for allergies than honey because honey doesn't have a whole lot of pollen in it anyway. And the propolis is going to have more of the cedar character, the, the cedar stuff in it than honey. I'm so going to say, I'm going to say no. And then we'll let, we'll let Tara weigh in as the expert, but I'm going to say no. You you could use it for medical benefits, yes, because it does have some amazing properties, astringent properties, antimicrobial, antibacterial type properties. But just like nectar, just because it's coming from that plant, the nectar doesn't have any properties of pollen in it. And the mm -hmm. resin and the sap is also not going to necessarily have any characteristics of pollen. So taking it for allergies that you're allergic to the pollen, and that's that's the only thing that's going to help alleviate that in my opinion is going to be the pollen. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, ounce for ounce propolis tinctures definitely have more health benefits like ounce for ounce than honey. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I agree with John, you know, there's maybe residual pollens in honey, but it tends to be the pollens that we're not allergic to. Right. So most people, in this area, you know, it's mold, it's grasses, it's cedar. You're not finding that in honey. You're finding flower pollen. So if you're allergic to flower pollen, like, you know, maybe there's a weak connection there. But with propolis, I'll say the same things that I tell people with honey. There's no scientific direct connection that shows that eating honey, the, the properties um, in honey um, do not act as, you know, you're ingesting a little bit of what you're allergic to and therefore you feel better. However, honey is one of the best things that you can ingest for your respiratory system. So people that see benefits, um, you know, maybe it's the placebo effect, but most certainly you're seeing benefits because honey is very good for your respiratory system and science has shown that. And similar with propolis, science has demonstrated that it's anti-inflammatory. So, you know, in allergy flare-ups, you um, you know, a lot of it, you don't feel so well because everything's inflamed in your sinus cavities. So propolis tinctures can help with that, but there's probably not this direct connection of like you're ingesting part of the tree that you're allergic to. Does that make sense? But they do have all these healing benefits that are helpful that will probably you'll see, you know, benefits to ingesting both propolis and honey. 
Okay. I get that question a lot, John, and I always, I always cringe because you know y'all me y'all know me. I'm honest to a fault, and I always hear like other beekeeping companies say, "Great for you know local allergies," and um, I always cringe because the link they're making is just honestly not true. But again, there is health benefits to it. But I always want to be like, "No, that's not exactly true." Yeah, that, that's one of those moments when you're doing a presentation in front of, you know, a couple hundred people and you get to a question segment and somebody asks that question. And for a split second, you're looking at the whole audience and you're like, well, I'm about to piss half the people in this room off. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I always tell people, you know, like, do you want to really know? Because I, because like I say, I do know that I mean, I, after I became a beekeeper, I hardly ever ate honey before. And I certainly wasn't eating, you know, raw honey, which is the key here. You've got to eat raw honey. I never ate it before. And then obviously after I became a beekeeper, I eat an incredible amount of honey. And I have seen huge benefits in health and respiratory issues. Um, there's no doubt about it. So, but, so I, there is a linkage for sure. But when people ask me, you know, there's also that like placebo effect that can be real and alive. And so I'm like, do they really want to know? Do they want me to lie to them? So I go, do you really want me to know? Do you really want me to tell you? <laughs> well, sure. It's good. I'm, 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 I'm set up right out here beside the door. I'm selling honey out there and it's the best damn stuff in the world for allergies. My bees, my honey, my bees make the best aller allergy honey out there. <laughs> well, you yeah. know, I, a lot of our honey, um, a lot of our lines are labeled by neighborhoods. So like, there is oh, yeah. no one on earth that would better benefit from me saying, oh, do you live in North Loop? I've got North Loop honey. This is all of the stuff that's within five miles of you, you know, and I just. It's as local as it can get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Zip, Zip code, honey. Uh, I just can't. I just can't do that. So, you know, you want to talk about some, oh, go ahead, John. Real, real quick, just as a, a teaser for down the road, um, Tara is going to come back with us a little bit later in the season and talk to us about marketing honey. Like we just mentioned the zip code honey, um, talk to us about different marketing techniques and things that can be used. But since how the season's just getting started for everybody, that one will be uh, a little bit down the road a few months from here, but just, just a little teaser to sneak that in real quick. Oh, yeah, I'm super jazzed about that. I teach that at most of the B schools around Texas. That's kind of my people come to me for that. And I love that topic. So I'm super excited for that. Um, but, yeah, so propolis. So we've been playing around with different products of what you can make. Um, but kind of your first step is to make a tincture. John, have you ever made a tincture with propolis before? This was new to me before this year. I have read about it extensively, but not done it myself. Yeah. I have to also tell you, I have not. <laughs> this is where I'm too honest too soon. Um, I have physically not done it myself. My team does it. I have Gina who works for me. I call her my, my R and she's my R and D lady. Um, but I put her on this and she did, she tried all the different methods. And so I'm going to share with y'all kind of what she came up with and what she found works best. So you can use, um, you know, most people will use grain alcohol, for example, um, Everclear. Do not use ethanol alcohol. That's poisonous. 
So please don't, please don't use that. But that's what most folks use. Just know that, you know, um, not everybody is interested in, you know, alcohol. Um, I told Ken that's what he should have used on his, uh, his extracts for the vanilla. He, he went with vodka. I told him he was a wuss. He should have just went all the way and done straight up Everclear. That's the best. Yeah. Uh, Grain alcohol. It says that to use for the extractions of vanilla and such as that to use vodka because it doesn't have a flavor and it doesn't have a smell. Neither does it. Neither does Everclear. That's the whole point. <laughs> Did you not ever know. grow up on trash can punch, Ken? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't use Everclear because the smell reminds me of uh, the smell that I used to drink when I drank trash can punch. Yeah, see, to me, now. vodka has a very distinct <laughs> smell and a very yeah, distinct so. flavor, but Everclear does not. You know, Ken, okay. I was just listening to a podcast um, last week. It's like a foodie-type podcast, and they were examining, like, are expensive versus cheap vodka? Is there really a difference? And I learned no. that, by definition, the vodka has to be flavorless um, and odorless in order to pass as vodka. Like, you literally cannot call it vodka. Now, mm -hmm. after the fact, they can add different things to it, but in the actual distilling of vodka, it cannot legally be vodka unless it goes through this specific process where it's odorless and flavorless. That was there's some I didn't realize that. There's some crazy stuff out there with things like, we're way off topic, but with, like, alcohol in general, because <laughs> um, tequila, for instance, has to come from a very specific place. You can't make tequila here and it be called yeah. tequila. Right. It has made... to be Mexico, right? Like yep. yeah. from specific agave in Mexico. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and if I you create it here, you have to call it something else. <laughs> and is it the same with, I might not, I might be not, but bourbon in Kentucky, isn't there something with bourbon in Kentucky as well and champagne in France? I feel like that's also. Yeah. The champagne. Champagne is actually from a very specific region, region there in France. And so Ooh, is. Right. Uh, Diosti. A lot of people think that on wine that Diosti means bubbles, but it's actually a very specific region where that yeast only grows in that spot. Food is so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, I back to propolis. I, I like deep dive into, I always joke that I'm like, I love, I love anyone that's super interested. I don't care what it is, right? If it's basalmic or olive oil or cheese, like anyone that's super jazzed about something that they want to go deep, deep, deep in it. Like talk at me. I just want to learn. And I always joke that like tastings, I'd probably do a tasting of dog shit. If you gave it to me, just give me three kinds and let me add it. Like <laughs> I love tastings of any kind. Let me taste three things and tell you my favorite and tell you my least favorite. I'm so glad I had my mic on mute when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's, I, I've said that a couple of times and it gets mixed messages. Um, well, so, <laughs> so what we need to do, John, is we'll have to get her in studio. We'll have Alpo pedigree and some of the cheap brand <laughs> and we'll have let her try three of them. So then we, we will take the labels off and put one, two, three and okay, Kara, try this. This is dog food. Okay, Kara, try this. This is dog food. Now, which one has the best flavor? <laughs> now let's get back to talking. <laughs> I will on that point, you guys, I did this fun thing recently you know i i don't know if you can relate john but i get you know i've i long ago i 
I, I, I gave up getting frustrated when people tell me my honey's expensive because, you know, that's okay. I don't have enough for everybody anyway. So if it's not for you, I totally get it. But I did this thing where I made shipping free on the website for a month. And I said, I'm going to prove to you that it is better than anything that you're getting in bulk at the grocery store. And so okay. I sent out in all of the boxes of people that ordered that month and a little packet of craft honey. And I said, do your own taste test. If you decide that the craft tastes better, come at me. I will gladly refund. Not a thing. Have you guys had tried craft? Can I be curious from you? Have you tried like the craft little packages of honey that you get at like a fast food restaurant since you've gotten into the honey game? It is when you go back and you look at what you used to eat and you think, dear God, that is so gross. Yeah. So gross. It's nasty. It's so gross. (laughs) And I grew up eating all of that and my sister did too. Anyway, back to tinctures. So um, you you can make a lot of different things with propolis. I've only made tinctures and throat sprays, but you've, you've, you know, I've seen healing balms. Toothpaste is an interesting one. And I have researched and tried so hard to find um, toothpaste recipes that didn't go bad after two weeks because I just don't think that's realistic. All the ones I've seen have a very, very short shelf life. So if anyone has I, a great recipe, please send it to me that doesn't go bad in two weeks for toothpaste. So I don't have a recipe, but I did get toothpaste, black bee propolis toothpaste for Christmas as one of my stocking stuffer gifts, I think. Yeah. And look at the ingredients and share. Send me a snap. I, I will absolutely do that. It's not bad, actually. It, it's very funny colored. It looks a lot like propolis. <laughs> but, is the um, texture funny? No, the texture's fine. And the flavor is uh, honey and mint. And so, like, I was, at first, I was a little like, okay, this is going to be interesting. But then I was like, oh, this is actually not bad. I kind of like it. So I'll, okay. I'll take a couple of pictures and shoot it over to you. It's very good for, um, like, oral health. Propolis is very, very good for oral health. So, you know, we make tinctures and we make throat sprays. And really just a throat spray is like a watered-down version of the tincture you can put in a spray bottle. That's all that is. Um, But for the tinctures, this is the way that we make it. So we um, mix two parts propolis by weight to nine parts grain alcohol. So two parts propolis, nine parts grain alcohol by weight. Um, and put it in a glass jar, shake it up, and put it in a dark place. And then go in once um, or twice every day, just shake it. You know, you pass through the pantry, grab it, shake it up, shake it up. Um, and leave it like that for a week or two. And then you're going to want to filter it because, you know, you got to get all that denim, <laughs> all the <laughs> denim that you collected in your pocket out of that propolis. So using a coffee filter over a funnel. You pour this mixture into another glass container, and that's going to strain off any of the clumps. And I do have a I have a question for you, real quick. Mm-hmm. When you put the propolis in, um, so you talked about putting the the tray or the the rack in the freezer, taking it out and doing that kind of opposite twist where you can contort it and pop everything off of it. Do you go in and especially like you were talking about collecting when you were out in the bee yard, and you like I've got that big ball the ball isn't necessarily a lot of the the recipes and say that it's not as easy to work with. So you should break it down by freezing it and then breaking it when it's brittle. 
do you guys do that and crush it smaller before you add it to the the tincture mix? Yes, because if you think about it, like surface area matters, right? So if you're putting just like, uh, it's a great clarification, if you're putting just a big ball of it in there, you've only got so much surface area on this ball, but if you're doing small pieces, so yeah, it's much easier to work when it's frozen. So freezing at first and then, you know, breaking into smaller pieces is going to be important because you want as much surface area as you can touching that alcohol so that it pulls out more of the oils um, out, of the, out of the propolis for sure. And then, you know, after a week or two, shaking it every day, filtering it. And then this is important. You want to store the tincture in a dark glass container. So amber color bottles or, um, you know, the blue, we use the blue bottles, light can degrade what's in there. So you just want to protect it from the light. Uh, and then you've got this tincture. And so ways to use it, um, I just take, you know, we've got a dropper in ours and I take five or six drops daily under my tongue. A lot of people, you know, do it when they're not feeling well or they need an immune boost. I just do it every day. You can put it in smoothies. You could mix it in water. There's all different ways. Like the taste, I don't mind the taste too much. The alcohol can be, the alcohol is what I think tough for folks. <laughs> and so um, if that bothers you, you might want to mix it in a drink or some tea or something like that. Um, but I don't mind it too, too much. But yeah, I just use a couple of drops every day. And then like I say, you can um, mix that with, um, distilled water, and then you've got a throat spray. And it works really great as a throat spray. Just put it in a bottle with a spray, tap on the top, and spray it in the back of your throat. And that's it. But the dark bottle is really important because the light will degrade the um, what's inside, the good stuff that's inside. All the little goodies. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Ken, are you going to – I mean, you've, you're already halfway there because you're doing a concept of this with vanilla. So go get you some Everclear and – scrape off some propolis and, and see what you can come up with. I got plenty of propolis. What if I just throw my damn gloves in there and let, let them soak and clean my <laughs> gloves and I give them a leather propolis because leather's very good for you also. And I don't know, I might've, I might've worked in the, in the sewers with those gloves too. I was going to say, I would wager to bet there's a lot more on those gloves than just propolis. Yeah, pretty but much. But alcohol kill everything? Isn't that the whole yeah, thing? Yeah, it does. Right? I, you know, while you were talking, I was sitting there thinking, okay, what if we took a little orange juice, took that tincture, poured it with some orange juice, and we'll have to make a little bigger bottle so we can mix that and have a propolis orange juice. I don't know. That don't sound good. So what if we use agave juice and and orange juice and used a shot of tequila in it, mixed it up, put a little bit of lime in that? You know, I think we can make a drink out of this, Kara, and That's we could get selling cocktail. a hell of a lot of yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And we're, um, we're planning on playing a lot more with our, like I said, the tincture is kind of the base for, you've got to extract all that good stuff out of the propolis before you can use it. So making the tincture is kind of your, you know, level step one. And then Google, there's all sorts of recipes and such out there. Oh, yeah. You can go from there and making bombs. You'll find it in a lot of like healing creams. Um, again, toothpaste. I've seen it in some chapsticks. I've been seeing propolis in hair products. Um, you know, like big, big companies have got the, they've got on the B train, right? And they've got honey and propolis and royal jelly and all these 
who knows if any of that's actually in any of that shampoo. But well, I've seen it. Yeah, so sort of similar, but something that caught me completely <laughs> off guard. But like uh, Paul Mitchell, hmm. their product line, their hair dyes use beeswax. That's one of their their key ingredients that they mix in with the hair dye whenever they're creating the consistency and whatnot with it. And I was like, huh, I would have never thought that. <laughs> I don't know I why. Wonder, that just... <laughs> I wonder if it's like adhesion to, I don't know, I'm just kind of talking out of my ass, but like adhesion to the hair. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think that's what it's for? I have no idea. I, like I said, I would have never dreamed that that would be an ingredient in there, but I've got a friend that is a hairstylist and whenever they found out that I was doing bees back in the day that was the first thing they said was oh my god you could sell your beeswax to somebody like Paul Mitchell and I was like why <laughs> like why would That's why would Paul so Mitchell Industries want my beeswax yeah I mean for anyone that's worked with beeswax you know it's got to serve like a real purpose to use it because it's such a pain well, it's such a pain to work with so um there's got to be some like value added I wonder what that is interesting. Oh, have you taken the beeswax and used a little bit of uh, olive oil? And then you could take that uh, tincture that you're using of the propolis, mix that together and let it, let it set up and make a, make a, either a wound for wounds, uh, a, a tincture or antibacterial like for wounds and also for, yeah, salve, and then also for your canker source. Yeah, absolutely. So we do a lot of, um, we do three different healing balms that it's beeswax, um, you know, like shea butter, coconut oil, like oil of some sort, and then different extracts from different herbal sources. So like calendula, for example. Um, but yeah, you could absolutely, we haven't done it yet, but it's on my list of things to play around with. You could add the propolis tincture in there with the rest. So I don't know like what the, um, you know, I know the general, you know, measurements of oil to butter to beeswax to make a salve. I don't know how much propolis you'd have to add for it to make a difference, but you could absolutely do that. And I have seen a lot of balms with that, particularly mm -hmm. like healing balms, as you mentioned. And again, it's so good for oral care that anything that you're using in your mouth, you're really great for. Well, see, we all learned some really interesting things today and some things we probably didn't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Tara wants to do a tasting of dog poop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, well, I did. I, I recently, so um, I have some news. John knows my news, but Ken, I'll share my news with you too. I am with child. There is a baby beekeeper on the way. Did you hear that, Ken? Oh. Yes. So we can uh, call you mama before long? <laughs> Yes. Mama Tara. Mama Tara. Quite the surprise for me. I mean, I don't know who in their right mind would get knocked up during bee season, but here we are. <laughs> um, and so I've been, I just wrote a blog yesterday on like feeding honey to babies under a year of age. So I won't mention to you guys, like, you know, ask someone that's about to have a baby. It's a boy, by the way. Um, thinking like, really is that a wise tale what should you you know because in the state of texas you don't even have to legally put it on the bottle they say it's recommended you know put on the bottle don't feed to babies under year one but i was like mm -hmm. now that i'm pregnant i was like i really want to know but i looked into it and though the risk is very 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 low 
probably a good idea to not feed honey to babies under one. But I did learn this from my midwife is that I'm now 16 weeks and the amniotic fluid tastes like whatever I eat. So I'm eating a lot of peppers because this baby better be as Texan as they come. No <laughs> oh, weenie baby. <laughs> and lots of honey so that at, you know, year one, this baby loves honey as much as I do. So that's my solution for pregnant women because pregnant women can eat honey. That's totally fine. So what you're saying is you're going to go in competition. Your, 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 your baby's going to go in competition with John and extracting jalapenos and the honey. <laughs> Jalapeno infused so, yeah. honey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I actually, I have John, I've sold John's jalapeno honey in the past. So yeah, oh, and I've good. got it in my cabinet right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But, but I think you ought to get him to using a, 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 poblano pepper it doesn't have the heat but it has the flavor that is just fantastic doesn't that kind poblano of take the fun pepper. out of it though if it doesn't have the heat oh hell no i don't like hot <laughs> i at age six i remember very distinctly having hot sauce eating competitions with my uncle so like you know you literally burn your taste buds out of your mouth when you eat hot stuff so it takes hotter and hotter things to like yep. get to that level. So yeah. um, that's going to happen in this household with this baby. He better get ready. <laughs> well, what, what happened to me was when I was six years old, you know, I was one of these kids that you've met me. I, I'm not a little kid. I like to eat. So I'm walking around the, the outside and there's a, oh, look at all them little red berries. Those little red berries look tasty. So I picked okay. about a half a dozen of them, pitched them in my mouth. And I scream because chili patines are hotter than hell. Oh, no. I thought it was going to go a different direction, and it was poisonous. And a trip to the ER was oh, the, next, no. the next part of the story. Six chili patines are poisonous, let me tell you. <laughs> when you're four or five years old, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. When I was in grade school, my stepfather um, – presented me with a peeled piece of garlic and told me it was a new kind of cashew they just found. It's called an African cashew. And so I ate a whole piece of garlic and that flavor does not come out of your mouth. Soon. And I uh -uh. Uh -uh. I mean, probably two dozen times and tasted garlic for days. And then when my little sister became of age, he was going to do it to her. And my mother stepped in and I was like, Hey, 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 like, where were you when it was me? It's her rite of passage, like back up, let him do, let the man do what he does. <laughs> yeah. It's only fair at that point. Now, yeah. John, have you ever extracted garlic into honey? I have not. Um, I know that the lady who I helped collaborate with on, uh, on her honey activities book or beekeeping activities book, she did an infusion with garlic and something else this, in honey. Is this Kim? Is this yes. Kim, John? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. ma'am. Yeah. It, on the back of that book is my big noggin. You can't see my face, but it's my giant head. Um, <laughs> yeah. People go bananas for that. I am not into that. But people say, I mean, garlic is so good for you. Yes. You know, it, it's so good for you. And so combining the two, but... I don't know. I can't bring myself to go down that path. It feels really weird to me. But what I would use it for 
is to put it like on a pork rib on your pork ribs. You, you rub it down, rub your, you know, pork ribs, you put salt, pepper, garlic, and then you rub them down with, with brown sugar. And then right before you take the pork ribs off, you spray them with red I'm telling my recipe with uh, a red cream soda, <laughs> like uh, a big red. You spray it with big red and let that candy onto the pork ribs. Best damn pork ribs you'll ever eat. But if you took a garlic honey, rubbed them on your pork ribs and, and cooked it, and then right before you take them off, you take a garlic honey and brush it and let that candy onto your ribs. Now, think about that. You could even do uh, onion, because this this is what I do. Uh, Tara, I can see the I wheels kinda, turning. I can see them. Yeah, <laughs> and and John says, Ken, you're taking us off a subject. Let's get back on the road and let's go back to talking propolis. So if you took propolis and mixed it with garlic and. <laughs> I'll shut up. Ken right, so Aiden, my fiance did. I've also gotten engaged since the last time I saw you guys. And, you know, we were going to get married in October. Not anymore. Um, because we're not safe. And now we're knocked up. So when my <laughs> wedding date rolls around, I will be two weeks postpartum. Anyway, so my baby daddy, <laughs> if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I call Aiden my gentleman friend, and he hates it so much. He's got a new and, title now. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, well, your fault, sir. Like, if you just kept it together for six more months, you could be my husband, but now you're my baby daddy. So he made some ribs recently. He smoked some ribs, and I don't know what all the spice deck is that he put in there, but mm -hmm. he used honey. And it made this beautiful crust, and it was divine. It was really, really good. But I will say, Ken, you have confused half of your audience, because I guarantee you anyone that doesn't live in Texas is like, why is Ken using big red gum in his meat recipe? <laughs> That's no a great point. <laughs> that is a great point. I did not even think about that, but you're absolutely correct. To clarify, here in Texas specifically, especially the closer you get to the border, Big Red is a red soda. Strawberry. It's not strawberry. No, it is so not strawberry. strawberry. It is it's so like not strawberry. It's like a cream soda. Yeah, it is. And it yeah. gives you the burp. Yeah. It's so burpy. Yep. Yep. Definitely not bubblegum, though. Ken's not putting no, bubblegum on no, his brisket no, no. <laughs> or his ribs. No. Really, nothing is, I mean, you know, we all drank way too much Big Red growing up. Um, mm -hmm. Don't have it as an adult, but I will say nothing is better with barbecue than a Big Red. I don't know what it is about that combo. Like, must have a Big Red whenever I eat brisket. It's a must combo. So he just skipped that part and mixed them together, so... Yeah, I love that idea. I'm going to maybe have to steal that, Ken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for, for joining us and enlightening us on this. Again, propolis is not something that, you know, we've touched on it. We've talked about the bees gathering it and collecting it, but we've never really went in depth on what a beekeeper can do with it. So that's really cool to kind of give everybody a, a great perspective on some of the uses for it. Everything that comes out of the hive has a use and has a purpose. And so this just gives them one more tool in their beekeeping kit that they can use towards either their own projects or, you know, making products that they can sell to help support their hobby or their business. So 
uh, greatly appreciate the knowledge, Tara. And it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. And we absolutely look forward to having you on here again in a few months when we can talk about honey as well. So yeah, um, and we'll talk about how to label and market that propolis and that honey and get top dollar for it because everyone should get top dollar for their honey. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't sell yourself short ever. Thank you, ma'am. Be good. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 do you have a key phrase, a key B something phrase for us in parting? Uh, yeah, I got one for you. Holy crap. I'm having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, you're going to have to put that song in there. I'm having a baby. <laughs> Ain't there a song like that? Oh, no, know. but I, I think that's the that's the perfect one right there. Be good, everybody, and holy crap, I'm having a baby. <laughs> Somebody write words to that. The show might be over for now, but the sting won't last long. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we'll be swarming in with new episodes Mondays of each month. Until then, behave yourselves. <laughs>